0: All right, guys, welcome back to the Whitetail Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Byron Horton, and I have a guy on that uh, is local. He hunts public land. He killed a stud last year early, and uh, Jake, Jake Bush, welcome to the show, bud. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, Jake, real quick, because um, I don't want to miss this, where can people find you? I know you and I did an Instagram Live, oh, about two months ago, and I got some good feedback on that, but just... Shout out the YouTube the the social media platforms where people can find your stuff
1: yes, sir, so uh, facebook's just going to be Jake Bush and then Instagram. Uh, the first one is Jake Bush solo and then Legends of the Hunt, and then YouTube would be Legends of the hunt as well
0: yeah, and, and for those of you guys uh, that like consuming our oh, good quality video content, Jake put out a pretty good like a uh, oh it was almost like a short film meets a video blog. Um, not too long ago and it's really well shot it's got some good sheds in it but it's a well-produced piece and and, and definitely worth a, a look at um and he talks about the miles and how the 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 sheds are just you know they're so far and few between because you do put on some serious miles in the winter
1: but i thought that was a really good piece man yes sir i appreciate it it's not quite up to uh whitetail experience yeah, but uh, that's, that's the goal. I'm going to get there, hopefully. Oh, man, I've seen you putting
0: out some really good work, and I can see uh, the growth in, in, in the video aspect of things. So, so dude, I, I, I'm liking it, and I cannot wait to see what you put together this fall. I know there's going to be some good stuff. Yep, that goes both ways, man. I appreciate it. All right, dude, let's, let's get into it. It is June now, and, and we're roughly a third the way through June. Um, we blink whitetail season will be here what is like on your docket what is on your to-do list or goals for June focus points
1: oh okay so for me uh, at this point most of my boots on the ground scouting is done this year um, which is a lot different than last year last year I moved here in June and I kind of had to rush everything through the season Um, so at this point for me it's mainly getting my trail cameras out and then just starting summer observations so Driving around to some of these pieces, checking to see what kind of uh, crops I might have in the general area, um, as far as like maybe beans or corn, and and just trying to get sights on a couple of these deer, take some some accountability at this point, and uh, from that point I can really start to put a plan together for certain wind locations and and things like that. But yeah, so uh, that's that's number one priority. I also have an elk trip scheduled, so oh, I've nice. got to have. Yep, that's out in Montana. We drew tags out there, so. Got that going on as well, but uh main priority is definitely whitetail at this point.
0: Okay, so I guess uh what percentage oh. of, of trail cams
1: do you have out at this point? So i hope I probably have twenty-five percent out. Um that's, that's I have bad. No, I've got twelve or thirteen more I wanna put out. I've been looking into a couple cell cams as well. Um okay. just for some really small locations that are are, are closer to betting that I wanna intrude throughout the season. So I think okay. a couple cell cams and then just the regular cam should be about right.
0: Yeah. Now, um, I don't know this. I've never ran a cell cam, but I've heard the battery life is not the best because it's it's using that power source more often. Um, is that a concern if you would go put this in a bedding area and yeah, it works phenomenal? Let's say here in June. Let's say you get it yep. out here in June, but then like you know, August twentieth rolls around, the thing dies, and you're like, shoot, like I really don't want to tip in there August twentieth. You know, I kind of want to let him to have his space. What's your thoughts?
1: my thought honestly i would hopefully i just get accountability of the buck there that i want to see and then i would let that camera just sit there and go pick it up after season okay so it 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 would
0: do its job give you the intel and you would kind of oh assume that he's going to stay in that area that that's going to be a useful bed that's a key ambush point for fall i like it um let's uh let, let's talk a little bit trail cams as far as what is your your take as far as quality price point and then you know are you somebody that scatters them real wide or are you focusing on a few pieces that you think are better what do you like to do with your trail cams because you know we don't work for a trail cam company we can't deploy thousands of these we have lives we have budgets hit me with a little bit of what your thoughts are around that
1: yep so it's changed over time um i actually i had a certain point in my life where i went out and bought really good cameras and that was nice, but I realized, like, hey, the difference between a 12-megapixel camera and a 20-megapixel camera is not really that that important to me. Um, and then I went to the complete opposite side of the spectrum, and I spent, like, $50 on 15 cameras one time. They were, like, yeah. 3 bucks a piece. Um, and I posted a picture last year, actually, on Instagram of, like, a 160-inch buck. I mean, he's got, you know, 10 or 12-inch uh, brow tines down on one of the state lands down south, and it was a terrible picture. I mean, half of one side of his rack was missing, and from the base to the brow tine, was all distorted, and I I really have no idea how many points he had or anything. He was just a huge framed deer, so this year, I decided I'm going to kind of go mid-level, you know, those 80 to 120 or $130 cameras, um, so I can get decent pictures, you know, good trigger speed, uh, good battery life, and I can get the accountability I want, but a little a little better images so i can kind of see more of what's going on
0: yeah yeah and you you and i were texting a little bit about uh oh some of those deals on camo fire have you tried some have you not um i i have kind of gone the same route where i'm finding value having um one multiple trail cams on me if i go to say put one out because i can put one in what i call like a b minus spot where you're like this could be decent, you know, like there's some things going on here. I was originally going to put it, you know, at this location, but on my way I found something that I could throw it on. And uh, I kind of do, I I can't justify some of those $40 Amazon unproven brands because if I drive there and they don't work or they die within a year, it's like the gas money to, to work with that thing has really actually cost me, you know, more than the camera's worth. And so I I, I think this is just me spitballing here, but like if, I, if I've located a, a good buck, then maybe I would move in my higher dollar cameras where I really want that Intel, I want something that functions. But yeah, I'm trying to find that sweet spot of the 60 to $100 camera that is just, it's gonna function good enough to, to, to get me what I need. And um, I should have a better beat than that in six months because I've bought a few different
1: brands. Uh, do you have a, a budget friendly cam or setup you like or TBD? You know, I've kind of bounced a little bit with that as well. Um, Bushnell's have been pretty good for me. They had the E3 series that was great and they were like 110 bucks. Okay, um, this year I went and bought a bunch of coverts that were on sale, so pretty excited to try those. And uh, I, I've got Exodus cameras that are great, I've got just about Moultrie's, just about every brand out there, I have uh, mid level cameras that all function pretty good. Okay, okay, yeah, I
0: have uh, I picked up a Browning on Amazon the other day. So free shipping, it was like 70 ish bucks. And, and, and now I, I type it into Amazon and it's more floating between 90 to $110. It just must've been a memorial sale. I've seen, uh, those coverts, you can find those camo fire. Um, I've picked up a few of those and, and I have heard good things from, uh, some other guys that, Hey, that's a good price point camera performance. Battery life's phenomenal, which, uh, are you a long-term soaker guy? I gotta
2: believe.
1: Yeah, that's kind of my plan. Put them out in June or July-ish, and then I'll check them once in September. Uh, battery swaps then, and card swaps, and then I'll check them again probably January, or February. Okay, okay. So, so tell me a little bit about your deployment
0: strategy. You're twenty five percent right now. Um, are you? Oh, are they? The, are you waiting on the Big Woods? Have the Big Woods cameras been deployed? Are you? maybe waiting to see where some food sources are in the area that may play into a factor. Talk a little bit about, oh, some of your strategy. Are you putting them on any? Uh, oh, last podcast, I talked with Dan about mock scrapes or, or year-over-year scrapes where, where the intel may not be gathered until, say, like August, September, when those bucks shift. They may start hitting, you know, those scrapes a little more frequent. Talk to me about your deployment strategy right now.
1: Yep. So the, the biggest cameras that I have out right now are out of state. So I've got Missouri cameras and New York cameras deployed. Um, I made both those trips in the last couple of weeks to take care of that. So that's that's done. That was my longest drives. Um, at this point, yeah, it's mo- it's mainly going to be big woods. I'm going to have two or three cameras out in the ag lands. Um, but as far as big woods go, I mean, some things that I really want to pay attention to this year are going to be acorn mast. So trying to find white oaks in relation to the destination food source for the night, because I think early season, they're going to leave their beds, and a lot of times they'll hit like a, a close food source, but I think they'll end up at that main destination, which is kind of what I like hunting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to start just putting them up. I've got some spots that have community scrapes. Uh, I've only found three community scrapes in Ohio, but each one of them produced uh, t- probably 20 different bucks on trail camera last year throughout the season I mean they were just I actually had I've, I've got two licking branches that I had last year that I put cameras on that I just I really stumbled on through hiking and uh in June I had bucks last year hammering these licking branches at like four in the afternoon i mean, 140 150 inch deer so I think some of these licking branches way in the in the big woods are really good to get accountability early season as well like by you know if i check my cameras in september i should have a really good idea of what's in that area um besides that i've got some like creek crossings that i'll put them on i'll put them in any sort of pinch uh you know like a really deep cut that has a bedding clear cut up top that they have to funnel around almost like a rut location
2: yeah just
1: just trying to catch as many deer as i can through a certain area this time of year
0: now um you said a couple things that i thought were interesting you you said only 3 uh, of those community type scrapes um I guess I, I think my, I'm trying to think here. I know it seems like I am finding these community type scrapes in the big wood. A lot of times they're low and I have ran a camera. I think it was last year, last summer or the summer before. And I don't, I wasn't really trying to do mock scrapes, but I had a, you know, I had a pin on and it wasn't even a community scrape, but, Went in there, touched it up, uh, just boots, you know, boots, scraped it out and peed in it. And, and I called it good. And sure enough, that camera actually had a decent level of inventory for uh, summertime, just, you know, bucks coming up and does using, it was obviously on the trail and, and I was surprised. And then this summer I have, I have seriously tried to attack some mock scrapes, some year over year scrapes, um, beech trees. they seem to love hitting, hitting, hitting beech trees. Um, but it's like, if I think about it, as you said that, where are you finding these community scrapes? Cause I think most of mine are low. If I would go pull up my maps, I'm
1: going to guess 80% of these are in bottoms. Huh? So I definitely, the one of the three that I did find is under a, is under a big beach tree, which is funny. Okay. Uh, but so for me, I would say they're going to be elevation. I, I don't have one in a bottom. Um, okay. they're going to be most of them are in relation to some sort of clear cut, which is the clear cuts that I've been targeting. are like the ones right on the, you know, the upper third of a leeward side of a Ridge and they're normally pretty big. And I think that they're coming down off of those down off like the actual points into the bottoms. Mm -hmm. So if you have a hub, you might have more of those community scrapes. Um, But they're coming off of the bedding down those ridges. And it's like anywhere from halfway to two thirds of the way down the ridge is where I find them. And I, I, th- I mean, my theory behind it is that if you have multiple bucks bedded in a location, when they leave their bedding, they're going to have that certain spot that they want to check. And so like, that's, that's where I've been looking for them anyways. I'm sure they're in bottoms. I just haven't been targeting that. So that's kind of interesting to me as well.
2: Yeah,
0: now, in,
1: where that is that I, I, well, if I
0: look at it on the map, it's a bottom, but it's between two different age clear cuts and then if you would stand there, it just makes sense why deer end up funneling through that location. It may, it may not be, and then I, as you were speaking there, I was kind of thinking about some, this area I was hunting a, a good buck in this year, and the scrapes were higher, but like you said, one, one was literally right on the corner edge of a clear cut, and that, that might be the community scrape. I haven't, I found that this year, and it, it, to me, just it screams it's a year-over-year year scrape. Just I will be in that area next year. I will scout that area. I will know next year if that's a year-over-year year scrape. So, so I definitely think, you know, there, I, I, I think that there's something to that. Um, Bigwood's deer summertime versus fall range, do you think there's a big shift there? Do you, obviously, it's all buck dependent. But um, are you do you think if you catch them in the summer, let's say June, July, there's a decent chance he's in that area come September or, or are you thinking the, the later half of August, September, when you're getting those bucks, those guys are, are definitely going to be in there for the fall. Talk to me a little bit about getting summer picks of deer and then late summer, early fall picks of deer, obviously.
1: So last year um, I ended up, I would have a lot of bucks on camera that I didn't have on camera again until, you know, like they'd be on camera until early September and then they disappeared until like October 29th, October 30th. And then they would come through the area, just checking it like they're like rutting activity, basically. So yeah, I think there's quite a big shift. Um, I did locate a couple of those deer. I located like a 150 inch 10 point about, I'd say just over a mile north of where I had them in a summer area. And that was just dumb luck with another camera. Um, And then I found his sheds as well. Well, one shed, which was in that original location. So I think there is a shift for sure. Um, I don't think all the deer do it. I think that there's certain deer that do have like a, I think the older they get, the ranges kind of get smaller and smaller, if that makes sense. You know, like a five or six year old buck might not be traveling a mile where a three year old might have a summer location and then end up bouncing out, whether it's because of a dominant buck in the area or a food source shift or whatever it is. Um, Yeah. yeah, that's, that's kind of my mentality. So, it's funny, um, I have had two bucks that I
0: had match sets off, big woods deer, and I have hung a trail camera literally within that core 100-yard area, and both of them stayed put. They shed their summer picks of him. Um, One of those deer, I I hunted a few times, never saw him. Um, The other deer, I had a trail camera that was in there in the fall, confirmed he was in there in the fall. Um, so I thought that was interesting because you know I do hear a lot of people talk about you know they they'll shift and and uh, he Cisco uh, a buddy of mine he talks about those deer will shift miles because um, down in hill country you know uh, the bigwood stuff they can shift to those hay fields the the few and far bean fields that may be down on rivers or or you know sometimes there's not predominant ag areas and he said they'll shift five five ten miles you know wow. in the summer um, and then it's like at late September um, or early September, the velvet's off, the acorns are starting to drop. It's just like, boom, those deer can, can go back into those hills and hollers. And, uh, he really likes hunting areas that have that mix just because you got the hills and hollers for like protection, limited hunters can get on them just because it takes a little extra there. And, and then they do have the food sources and the migration factor for good food in the summer and good food in the winter.
1: Yep. And that's what I'm targeting. Uh, Most of my spots are going to be in relation to some sort of private ag land within, within a mile, you know, I'm trying to target the beds that are around that. And that's kind of, I do have some big woods areas as well that are just, you know, vast, just amounts of big timber. Um, And that's a little more difficult to pattern those deer. I think that that would be, that sets up really good for rut, especially. But yeah, for early season, for kind of my style, I'm targeting like a destination food source.
0: So I guess, how far do you think those deer, you said a mile, you're trying to, to find uh, public land, uh, timber stuff that, that is within a mile of some of those, those ag fields. Do you find those deer, you know, the, 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 they're, they're, they're traveling easily a mile? Because a mile is nothing for a deer. I've watched a deer travel three or 400 yards in like 30 seconds, and they're not even running. You know, it's just they're four-legged animals. They, I feel like they, they can move.
1: Yeah, of course. I, I, uh, I do believe that. I think, I mean, I've seen them travel over a mile just based on cameras before. And I've got a lot of destination areas that they show up on camera at, you know, 11 o'clock at night, and then you have them leaving at like 3 or 4 a.m. Yeah. So it might be an hour and a half or a two hour venture for them to get back, however far that is. But yeah, I think that they're going to find the nearest cover, however far that is. And a lot of these areas around here, the big woods that our border and things like that, they're, they're really not thick right away. You have to find some sort of cut to really get that really premier bedding. And if that's a mile, if that's a mile and a half, I think they'll make that track. Oh, okay.
0: That's, I mean, that's really cool. Um, you, you said something there that was interesting that you've caught obviously deer on these trail cam you know, systems and traps, if you will, you know, he, he triggered this camera, but also this camera, um, and looking at the time, um, I guess uh, a little bit of history on yourself. When did you start diving into the trail cams and and what do you think has been some of your best like learning uh, or or tips for, for a guy like myself? Like I've only ran cameras hard. I feel like one, maybe two years at this point.
1: I started running cameras with my grandpa. um, I mean, way back in the day I was, 12 or 13 years old. So it's been 15 years of pretty steady trail camera usage for me. Um, I mean, the the biggest things for me are set up and I still struggle with that all the time. You know, I'll set a camera at the wrong angle or I'll tighten the strap down with a stick behind it that's rotting. And by the end of season, the stick rotted away and the camera fell down or I'll put it on a dead tree and the dead tree will fall. Last year, I had two cameras where the entire tree fell over. Oh, geez. on big land. It was just unbelievable. And I walked up to him and was like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, that was three or four months of Intel gone because the tree fell over in September. Yeah. Uh, But I mean, as far as tips go, I would say that like the big thing is going to be finding some sort of pinch and trying to get as, as good inventory you can on as many deer as possible. Um, You know, you're going to have all these trails filtering out of the big woods, especially The closer you can get to a destination with that camera or a creek crossing or something like that, the better odds you're going to have. And it depends on what you're using them for as well. You know, if you're checking them before you're going in to hunt for that day, it's going to be a little different than if you're going to check them for an inventory usage in September or if you want to see like a rutting activity or or if you're trying to get just historical data in general.
0: Okay. Okay. Do you use some of your your trail cams during season, essentially eyes and maybe curious type areas or whatever
1: yep I actually the whole story of me killing my buck last year um on the way in I walked up a creek and I had a camera set up on a on a big mock scrape that I had uh set up in probably July um and I checked it and I had a picture of a beautiful 150 inch 10 point he had stickers and everything and I had him in daylight three days earlier walking from the direction of the beds that I knew that I scouted already that I bumped those deer out of okay. and so at that point it just clicked in my head I was like oh he's coming off that bed and he's coming right down here and hitting the scrape and then going out to the food source and I just kept walking down further from the direction he came until I hit like what I thought was the final scrape before that thick cover and there was a white oak right there okay. and so it just it put the pieces together for me so yeah I try to use them as much as I can to help out the season as well
0: Okay. Okay. Let's uh, let's talk about other summer. Um, oh, scouting type type uh, missions, ideas. What you got going on? What are like? Obviously, glassing is big, but tell me, do you do anything else? Are you maybe securing access routes? Like, I know a lot of times, like, I'll I'll walk and I'll I'll mark pins of hunting locations, and then you kind of get back to the truck, or and, and you may not, you know, have the time to really be like, okay, how would I really get in here? does it make sense to park at parking lot A or B? And, and what's kind of the best route? And, and sometimes I don't have that mapped to, despite finding a great ambush location. Um, you know, talk to me a little bit about what's your summer scouting beyond trail cameras.
1: Yeah, I'm always looking for different access routes. Um, I'm still still getting on Onyx every once in a while and trying to, trying to find new locations as well, just because I kind of go a little stir crazy during summertime. So I like to get out there and And I just enjoy scouting. So, you know, I'll get out there and try to find more beds or try to even bump a deer every once in a while and just try to figure them out a little bit. Um, Last year, I had a lot of success with coming in late, so in June, and actually just bumping deer out of their beds all summer. And I would mark those beds, and that's how I ended up killing my deer as well. I mean, I I bumped him out of his bed two weeks before I killed him. Okay. Um, And I actually had a couple locations that I scouted more than one day. And I had to cross like a specific ridge to get back in a location. And I jumped a deer the first time I was in there, a good buck, probably a 140 inch buck. And I jumped him the next like three or four days in a row coming out of that exact same bed. I could, I could not get around this buck. So that was, that was kind of interesting. And I mean, yeah, it's, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Obviously, like I said, glassing is going to be huge. Um, And then trying to actually define hunter pressure as well. You know, if you go, the, the further into summer we get, the more you're driving around looking at these locations, you're going to find a lot of different hunters starting to scout or starting to walk around and hike. And last year I had uh, a lot of success with like traveling to certain areas and just finding a bunch of guys and then saying, all right, I'm not going to even, I'm not going to put any effort into this spot because there's cameras all over the place. There's vehicles parked all over the place okay. and kind of just sorting out certain locations.
0: So, yeah, there was something there that, that was interesting. Oh, the the summer bets. Um, so, I, I watched a, a Jeff Sturgis video today about, um, oh, it was more based for a small farm, but holding bucks in the summer versus the fall, and, and um, something he was talking about is these bucks, and, and it sounds like you've, you've got a little more history, in it. and Sturgis isn't exactly hunting southern Ohio, um, so so this could all vary, but, like, it's a, it's a worthwhile thought that I'd, I'd like to, to hear your thoughts on is... Summer bucks, you know, bedding in a location A, you know, do you feel that bed's going to be used as much? Sometimes it's used year round. I guess I would. His big thought was, you know, these bucks bed certain locations in the summer where like the canopy's better. There's a little more breeze. It's cooler environment versus uh, you get into the fall and the rut and 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 stuff. They're they're liking the high stem count stuff because they can go through there with the antlers because they're now hard horn versus velvet. Um, so I just wonder what's your thoughts on okay you jump this deer off uh uh off these summer beds I what you I don't know you got a feel for percentage used in the fall versus like half of them are junk half of them are are are
1: valid. Well, talk to me about that So pretty much all my scouting all these you know jumping the deer out of beds and all the inventory I'm taking and everything is going to be geared towards like the first 2 weeks of season Yeah you're a real think- guy yeah, and I don't think they make a big shift by that time. Um, honestly, I'm not experienced enough outside of the first two weeks to really give a good answer on that because i fill filled my tag, you know, seven out of eight years in the first two weeks.
0: You know what? After we talked last time, I wanted to ask you because you mentioned it, but I was like, well, I have no idea. Is this three three bucks in the last couple of years? You said seven. Say that stat again. Seven, seven out of eight years. So out of the last eight years, you have killed
1: a buck in Ohio or New York? Yeah, it was mainly in New York. Ohio was my first year last year. I came down here completely green and yeah, that's got done it. much more impressive. <laughs> it was, uh, I just worked really hard, man. That's,
2: that's
1: pretty much it. But yeah, and in the year that I skipped, I actually put my uh, girlfriend on a, a beautiful 10-point in New York opening day out of a ground blind we made that day based on a trail camera photo. Oh, put- wow. He came out at fifteen yards. She drew back and she was too nervous, couldn't shoot. Drew or, or let her bow down. I was like, you know what? That's okay. That's perfect. You know, if you're too nervous. But yeah, so we we would have had it done that as well. So. Oh wow, that that
0: is cool. a statistic, sir. That is so cool. So so, we'll just pencil in a podcast for about October twelfth, when when I'm starting to like you know lose even more hair, and you've already killed and. And we'll have to talk about how you get it done, man. That is so cool. That is a very, I don't know. It, it that shows a lot of, um, Oh, you know, you, you, kind of talk about your early season guy. Well, when you have a stat like that, I mean, that's just, that's awesome, man. Um, okay. Back to, to summer scouting glassing. Um, how often would you say you're going on glassing missions? Um, are you selective about the times of year? Um, you know, you're a working guy and you work night shifts. So sometimes, sleep is is a priority you know it's and we we don't live uh, you you and i both travel um we're not gonna throw mileage out there but you know we travel to get to some of these better pieces of public um talk to me a little bit about your glass
1: yep so i'm basically out there uh every day i'm not working i'll you know i'll even get out of work at six thirty in the morning and i'll just stay awake all day and go out and glass um, try to get a nap in, in the back of the Jeep. I actually bought a Jeep so I could sleep in the back of it better with a mattress and everything. Um, I basically revolve everything around deer hunting at this point, but yeah, so I'm pretty much out there every day and you know, I'm between setting cameras up right now, glassing, uh, the bed bumping that I'll do a little bit later in season still. And if not that just like general hiking, just trying to stay fit as well is a big, a big part of the whole thing for me. So, uh, pretty much it's pretty much 24 7 man i don't really take much of a break i mean so are you still glassing like i heard um
0: oh joe Re my uh joe joe Reichman right the guy from the beast
1: yeah uh, rent Yeah, yeah yeah so, yeah so
0: so he was saying he glasses anywhere between three to five and he also i think included shining in this number three to five times a week when does that start for you like i have glassed one time here in june I may go tomorrow morning because it is cooler today when we're recording this, you know, like um, I, I can't go all the time. Uh, You know, if I went five nights a week, I'd have divorce papers at my desk. Um, But, but I do try and go if I can see better weather conditions and um, sometimes I'll go in the morning, you know, if I can do glass and cams, that's like two for one, but, but, but yeah. Are you glassing three nights a week now in June when, things are just really starting or does that, that really take over later in the year?
1: It's going to pick up really heavily in July for me. So I'll have July, August. Uh, I've got the elk trip this year, which kind of cuts into that, but September, I really get into it. I'll spend a lot of time, basically every evening that I have off, I'll be out there in September, just trying to locate a specific deer for the first couple of days of season at that point. Okay. What, um, are you
0: always looking at beans or you, do you look at other food sources? um i i have seen deer use hay fields sometimes where where beans are not available um i'm trying to think if i've glassed or looked at other things um uh, alfalfa that's another one sometimes you can find alfalfa fields i think that's actually a little more common i did a, a an early season hunt in wisconsin and they had way more alfalfa fields that deer were using in september um here in ohio i have found them um uh, talk to me what what's your 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 bean field What's what's your I don't know. Is it beans it? Talk to me about that.
1: Nope. Yep. Beans is going to be number one. Uh, I do have some alfalfa fields that are in close relation to public as well that I'll be checking. Um, and then actually a lot of these big wood spots, I have bedding that's on one side of the road. And then what I consider the destination food source to be on the other side. Mm-hmm. So I'll just set up on the side of the road and kind of just watch the road. Okay. And and I'll I've caught some really good bucks just crossing the road at like four or five in the afternoon in the summer. Really? Yeah. Yep. That is cool.
0: Now I have seen on some public deer using very obvious food sources that will get the dove hunters or will get the small game hunters. And, and like, I know that that food source, that buck, you know, I don't think he's going to use that in daylight come fall. Is is that something that, you know that you consider? Okay. If I get a visual here, you know, just because I, I see him here, my, my chances of killing him are better, X, Y, and Z, just based on you. you sound, obviously, you're a bed guy. So, you, so I assume when you see him cross the road, when you see him in a field, it's all about what's the best couple beds in the area.
1: Yeah, I, I pretty much, if I'm scouting an area like visually like that, I've pretty much got the beds scouted out to where I think that those deer would be bedded.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: if I get a visual on him, I'll have a bed in mind that I want to hunt for a specific win for the day. And I'll dive in and get within, you know, 100, 150 yards of that bed if possible and just try to catch them going to that food source. Okay. Let's, um,
0: let me ask about like from the vehicle, something I noticed is you cannot stop. Like if you are driving, you can drive two miles an hour. And I do think it helps. Like I don't have a super loud truck. Um, I know the Jeeps actually, I, I don't know if, if yours does this, uh, Cody's will do this. We call it glassing mode where the engine will die. If you if you stay on the brake, I think for 30 seconds or 10 seconds, I don't know, but the engine cuts out.
1: No, I wish mine had that it doesn't.
0: Okay, okay, but um, I have noticed if you stop, those deer will run for the most part. Um, heck, even if you slow down, sometimes they they look. Do you have a, a, a tactic or strategy that you like to like? I don't know, slow down or drive right past them going 50, turn around on the road, and then creep back. What talk to me about that?
1: Yep. I've got a couple locations um, out in the ag land where I can actually park in an access area that I wouldn't park at when I'm hunting. And I can like low crawl across some CRP to okay. check the the private ag that's up next to them. Mm. And so I can, you know, I can sneak into like 10 feet of that private land and just pop my head up with my glasses and my, with my binos and kind of get a view of what's in the area. Um, I'll do that. I'll I'll use hedgerows to my advantage. So I'll park past the hedgerow and then walk up to the hedgerow or creek crossings with bridges. Anything I can use to my advantage to kind of kind of hide myself, I guess, would be the best best thing to do.
0: Yeah, do you ever end up
1: like hanging one
0: stick high or or whatever to you know, to get sometimes those hedgerows, dude, even like the the grasses, the weeds and all that stuff, sometimes that's tough to to even see out where um if you if you get just a a touch high, like you can really really see good.
1: You know, I haven't, but that's a really good idea. I've I've been looking for a way to kind of elevate in in some spots and and uh, just like almost almost like before season observation sets. You know, get out there and the only pr- the only issue I have with that is a lot of people will start recognizing vehicles like a specific vehicle in an area three or four times and they might catch on. And I've ran into that a little bit before, especially with Ohio because there's a lot more hardcore hunters down here. Interesting. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's definitely a. I think that's something I'll use going into this year is maybe setting up like one or two sticks high in some of these hedgerows. Because they, they have, what you know, those
0: like softball round trees that it, sometimes you don't even need a stick. But if you set your stand four or five feet off or four or five foot, let's say the base of your stand is three foot off the ground and you're sitting in it, you're significantly taller than if you were just even sitting there on the ground. Oh yeah, that's perfect. Way more comfortable. I mean, <laughs> You know, are you? If you're standing there in the hedgerow, like you don't have a seat, like at least if you had a platform or even like a mini little saddle set up, more leaning back, the tree might move a little bit. You you might want to watch that. But but you know, you know I have I have done some some stuff where I have hung two sticks high just because it's super quick and you can get up just above a lot of that brush.
1: Yeah, that's a great idea, man. For sure.
0: I have a oh, I got to be careful. I almost said the name. Uh, but I, <laughs> I have heard of a guy who says, um, well, looking at CRP, looking at grasses, looking at, at, at some of this farm country public, that it's so crazy that you can be sitting there overlooking if you're a touch elevated 15, 30 minutes before closing time, you know, late in the summer, boom, racks just stand up. Um I have not had that happen. Um, You know, I, I, I would say, Summer glassing isn't something I've done a lot of in the past, although we've, you know, I try to pick and choose. Last year I did a lot of it. And sometimes, Jake, when um, summer glassing, boom, I find some good bucks and my trail cans aren't showing them. And then I had the reverse happen where I know there's a couple of shooters here, and from the road and glassing and driving, I never saw anything above 90
2: inches.
1: Yeah, I've been in the same scenario a couple times. Um, I, one, I mean, one spot comes to mind where you can glass it all the time, there's a big bean field alongside of it, and you will not get you'll you'll get no visual of a big buck, but there's like three or four bucks over one thirty in there that I had on camera daily over and over, and they were going to the bean field on the other side you couldn't see yeah and so the, the does would filter out into the main field along the road, but the bucks would skirt out the back so just by glassing you'd never know they were there, but that's probably a better a better location to hunt because you would assume less. There's going to be less pressure than some of those really obvious spots. Yeah. Some of these ag spots around here, if you have a 160 inch deer walking out of public onto private, it's going to draw a lot of attention. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. You
0: say that there's a, there's a couple more like hardcore public land guys in, in Ohio, and if I guess I can't I, I I see some out of state guys that are hardcore for sure come the rut. Um. But, like, for example, in Wisconsin, when I hunted there, I saw more guys with climbers consistently. And I saw more guys with uh, stand sticks. Yep. I have never seen a guy in Ohio with stand sticks. We've, we've ran into one saddle guy um, who, who, obviously, clearly that's a different elevation than, than a guy with a climber. Um, but yep. I don't see a lot of guys with stand sticks, you know. And to me that says some, somebody's a little more serious if they've got stand sticks or a saddle on their back
1: yeah you can kind of tell. I've noticed the same thing if you if you see somebody just walking in to a stand, they're probably not as hardcore. I mean, some of them are, don't get me wrong. Some guys have have preset locations that are just phenomenal year after year. but but yeah, during the rut, especially here, it seemed like there was just from my experience, there was a lot of hardcore guys i was I was tagged out, so I was doing a lot of scouting for my buddy as well. And so I was doing a lot of traveling that time of year, just looking at certain locations too. Um, but as far as early season goes, I mean, if you want to attack these deer early season, there's nobody out there pretty much. It's the first first weekend. There's always a boom. Yeah. And then I feel like
0: it's probably quiet until like the 25th of October.
1: That's kind of, and then the first two weeks of November are insane. And as far as my cameras last year, I mean, my best Intel was the third week of November. It was actually the 19th, the 19th. I had like five or six different camera locations within, I don't know, about 500 mile radius that had mature bucks on them in daylight. And so I'm, that might have something to do with like the big amount of pressure we get the first two weeks in November or the last week of October.
2: Yeah.
0: Interesting. I, well, I see So I've, I've lived here, right. And I would say the biggest bucks I have seen from a vehicle or hunting might be that third ish week in November, the 19th through even the end of the month. Like, like, I remember uh, my buddy Zoe and I were driving down a, 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 a road, just mass timber, right? We looked to the left, and dude, just a frame. We slammed on the brakes. I was on the phone with my sister. I said, we got to go. Through the phone <laughs> to the floor, the, 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 the old Ranger. And uh, we backed up, and we could see him out there, you know, 100 yards just cruising. I, I, I can remember another, probably the biggest buck I'd seen to date. I was in college. And I was headed to a public range to sight in my muzzleloader for gun season. What was I doing? I saw dude, a 24 inch wide buck on his feet that, that week. And I'm just like looking back, if I had just gotten a tree stand, that would have been a pretty good day to, to, to make it happen. But you know, I, if, if I look at my visual sightings, hunting sightings, you know, buck encounters that, that final week is, is, is something that I actually hold a vacation day just for that week.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh. if I had any, if I had a tag in the rut, it would definitely be used the third week of November. I would take my, all my vacation I have left at that point. Um I've just, I've witnessed it a couple times. I know some really good hunters that say the exact same thing. They say the third week, it really heats up. You'll have more mature bucks moving that time of year. Um Last year, same thing. My buddy came to town and we were hunting way South and we were actually on our way back at probably 11 o'clock at night and saw it, 200-inch deer, easy. Come off a public, right onto a private field. I mean, busted down right in front of the jeep. Same thing, slammed on the brakes, mm-hmm. freaking out. But yeah, I mean, just they're they're all over the place that time of year.
0: Yeah. Now, so so my rut PTO schedule, like some something that I've come up with, is almost like, you know, I, I can grind out like six, seven days in a row, and 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 it sucks. But like my buddy Zo, he does a scatter plot where he takes two days, two days, two to three days, because he can hunt two or three days. Um, and that gets him into that third week of November, because it, it seems like every couple years or, or, or even most years, the first through the fifth, we'll get like a heat wave and it'll kill two or three days of the rut. And if you if you, all your eggs are in that first week, you're screwed. We're, you're not screwed. You can still kill deer. But like, you know, I have seen a lot of first week of November heat waves. And so I really like to just spread myself out a little bit. Like I, I you know, I, like I said, I, I uh, Oh, Thanksgiving is always like a, a, business holiday. So I've had that off in black Friday. So I kind of have some time there. Um, so I will also hold a day though for right around the 20th. Um, but traditionally I try to burn majority of it, you know, two to three days. And I like hunting that last week of October. Um, I, I, I like, uh, I like burning half days then and hunting evening, evening, evening. Um, it's just it's easy on the body, and, and I feel evening hunts you you almost get a scout in while you're doing it. Um, I feel I can make more educated guesses. You know, keep doing that. Um, are all your early season bucks? Let me ask this: Are they morning evenings? Do 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 they favor one
1: versus the other? All evenings. Um, okay. I actually I won't even go out in the mornings. Pretty much all of maybe I would say the last week of October. Uh, if I if I have a tag, I'll start ramping up morning hunts. But mm-hmm. up to that point. I like getting in there for the day, you know I'll wake up, I work nights, obviously, so I'll wake up t- at ten o'clock in the morning on my days off, yeah. check the wind, check temperatures, check a couple of things, and then just head into whatever location I want to go to and uh take my time, get set up early, and kind of just let everything unfold and then it just it, I, that way I don't burn myself out, you know, I work twelve, so I have a ton of days off to hunt. I work. 2 on 2 off 3 on 2 off 2 on 3 off I I have so many days to hunt every week that I just don't want to I don't want to burn myself out too much by hunting all day early October. Um, and I just it gives me a better opportunity to to pick the right tree and and to not bump anything out of the area and I feel like bucks are a lot more keen early season in the morning. Right. You know, they're the in the morning hunt, you're basically putting the game in their hands. You're setting up in a tree and hoping that they don't J hook in and smell you or they don't do all these things in the afternoon, if you go in for a kill, it's, it's kind of in your hands, you know, you're the bucks already bet it. You just have to beat him at his own game at that point. And so that's, that's, that's interesting.
0: You say that. Um, I think, I think that's definitely what majority of bow hunters would say and lean towards um, me and Dave talk about it though. I guess my counter to this and I like mornings and, 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 but like, you know, think about how, Uh, you know a bucks coming back to bed do you think he's maybe tired because he's been up all night you know and he's getting ready and so like i i I always wonder that maybe you catch him a little fatigued or something it's something that that now i will say this though when you can go in and visually have the advantage and pick the tree that's a no-brainer sometimes in the dark the sun will come up and you're like oh god like i need to be 30 yards on, on on that tree just based on what you can see but I, I I go back and forth on that um, bow hunting fiends, another bed, bed hunter guy. And I think he's a morning guy. Really? Huh? Yes. I, I think that he has killed most of his bucks on Saturdays in the, in the morning.
1: Wow. That's awesome. I heard him talk.
0: Yes. I, I heard him on a podcast talk about, and it's always the first hour. He said, generally it's, it's not right away. And he said, it's not two hours later. It's kind of right around the 45 minute hour mark that he kills them in the morning um and obviously he's in a very difficult state like I I by no means would want
2: to live on the east coast
1: no no chance uh yeah I actually I mean I have two locations scouted this year um that I already picked out a tree for a morning sit and I already did like the the beginning of my video kind of I got up in this buck's bed and I said hey opening day if I have a west wind I'm gonna sneak in here he's gonna come off that food source and around and it's a location where it's a really steep ridge and you can't jay hook in because it's a a big blowdown area so he's got to come off that food source up a trail and if i have a west wind i'll be you know 15 feet high overlooking his bed at 15 yards so it's going to be close quarters but if i can if i can get a west wind i'm going to go for it i'm going to try to pull it off open a day dude i i would think that would be the coolest and i think it can happen i think
0: you know, yes, these bucks are are, are they, the percentages don't favor morning hunts, but how sweet would it be to shoot a deer as he's putting down his front legs?
1: Oh yeah, and there's there's something about you know putting your scouting together that well, where if you can you can determine that the mature buck you're after is bedded there on that day, like in March, and then you can go in and do it. That to me would just be like the ultimate, the ultimate game right there. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: so uh, let's get back on trail cams. I got a, a, a question or two or, th- or thoughts. So you said, uh, well, late September, do you, you go and pull 50% uh, all of them, all the easy ones? I, dude, I have, um, I have to get sidetracked. I set some cameras up that aren't as deep this year where I've picked a, a terrain feature or um, maybe I've set up a mock scrape that's not terribly far from the road because, dude, To go get a camera, that's some serious time sometimes if you've got to invest a a solid, say, 30-minute walk and and climb up, grab it, and get out. Um, I'll let you know. I'll do some sort of like a video or something like summarizing some of these close-to-the-road trail cams. Dude, last year I ran one on a forest road. Like the the top half of the photo is literally a forest road. And I had deer on it every day. Like, really? not, it, was, it was pretty impressive how many deer would cross that road because you can see the deer trails, right, coming to the road. It's a natural funnel. There was a terrain feature on the other side of the road that was clearly doing some pinching. Um, sorry, you're getting some awful glare. Um, That'll be fine. Right over just a touch. But, uh, yeah, um, talk, talk to me a little bit about how you're going to pull some. Do you pull all? Do you save some for – during season to pull then talk to me about your recovery phase late in the year and
1: and when you do it yep so in september i want to have inventory on all those areas um so i'll go in i've got my elk hunt this year like i said so the first two weeks of september are going to be gone so that means i'm going to have a i'm going to have a week to get in there and try to check all these cameras and i really don't mind bumping deer too much i You know a lot of these game lands around here have hiking trails and they get they get used a lot by just recreation in general so i don't i I think these deer get bumped around more than we think they do okay Uh, so yeah my plan is to get in there pull all the cards exchange batteries out the only two that i don't want to check are those egg pieces like i was telling you because the only spot for a trail camera there is i mean 20 feet from the beds it's it's a creek crossing that's right there in a big oxbow so it's going to be uh It's going to be an interesting week for sure. I'm going to kind of be jamming it in there. And that's, I mean, that's a ton of driving. Some of these camera locations are going to be over two miles from the road. So it's going to be some really long days leading into season, but I, I really need that inventory to figure out what deer I'm going to target in general. I don't want to just, I don't want to just jump in an area without having a target in mind. I want to have a specific deer or a couple of deer that I want to target coming to some sort of food source at that point.
0: Yeah. Now, now this year, obviously you may not get to as Will you get to all of them or, or in a perfect year, do you get to 80, 90% and maybe leave 10% to keep working for you? I I guess I'll,
1: I'll check them all in September and, you it, and exchange, you yeah. have yep, exchange cards and batteries. It's uh it's normally a rough month. It's going to be like, I said, a really rough week doing it this year, but yeah. I really like to have that Intel. And i like to know that my cameras are going to be functioning throughout the rut as well for, uh, for late season inventory and okay um have
0: i guess i have thought about this but i have also thought this could be a huge headache and frustration going to pull cameras at night with a headlamp and a gps because sometimes that pin is off by 20 yards and in the dark with foliage on like i would think just like picking a tree stand location sometimes you pick the wrong tree because you know, your notes say X, Y, and Z, and there's two trees that fit that description. Um, so, I, dude, I have lost some cameras um, where I've had to do, you know, like a little search party where I 5-yard loop, 10-yard loop, 15-yard. Oh, there's the camera. Because yep. those cameras, sometimes they just are not... They're not laser focused sometimes. No,
1: I almost feel like they move too because, like, I'll verify that they're in the right spot, and I'll go check a camera late season, and it's not in that location. It's it's up to like fifty yards away sometimes. Um, fifty yards, yeah. dude. I would have thought somebody stole it. Yes, and I and exactly, and I I did. I was up on a ridge, and I walked that ridge back and forth probably ten times, and couldn't find this camera. So what I started doing this year. I've never done before. Onox has like a tool where you can take a photo and upload it to a pin. And okay. I started, I started uploading photos of the exact tree to the pin. That way, if it is stolen too, you can say, all right, well, the tree that it was on had a limb here and a limb here, because I questioned myself when a camera's stolen. I'll walk around and be like, maybe I didn't put it there. Maybe I put it over here. And you spend an hour when you were right all along and your camera's gone. It's funny you say that because this year
0: I had a trail camera stolen in the big woods. And I was walking around doing the same thing. Like, I know it's, it's got to be within this 20, 30 yards. I'm doing laps. I see my stick and pick mount, the one piece that goes into the tree and elbows up. And I'm like, son of a bitch. Oh, I stole it, you know? Then Dave and I deploy a camera in like a farm country piece, oh, December, right? There is a muzzleloader season left in rabbit hunters, and this is not in a rabbit location. And the thing got stolen. But I took a photo that day of Dave standing on a stick, you know, stripper arm, stripper leg around the tree, hanging it, right? Yep. And uh, I pulled that picture off our Instagram and I was like, that's the tree. The camera's gone. <laughs> like, this is terrible.
1: Yeah, it's a pain. And, uh, you know, I actually had pretty good luck with rabbit hunters this year. I had some cameras in some spots where I would have pictures of, you know, a 140 inch buck and the same day rabbit hunters. And next day, 140 inch buck. 10 rabbit hunters, pound dogs, 140 inch, it was crazy. But um, that camera didn't get stolen. I mean, those guys walked by that camera 100 times that season. Yeah. It seems like the ones that got stolen for me were what I would consider some sort of like a shotgun season area where they're kind of just like meandering through the woods. So uh, I don't know. I've considered taking some of my cameras down for like a week. Or, or however long shotgun season is going to be just to try to avoid certain, certain issues. I don't know if there's anything to that or not, but.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I said this on the last podcast and I think it's true. Um, I elevate oh. most of my cameras and if the tree is small enough that a guy can like grip his hands around and like do a couple pull-ups, he can get up it. But You can't grizzly bear. Most guys aren't strong enough. Like, cause that's all, like all packs, you know, to like grizzly bear hug a tree and like, do that motion up 10 feet. I just don't think most guys could do that.
1: Yeah, you're right. I uh, I listened to that podcast, I think yesterday morning, and uh, it was like a light bulb in my head because a lot of times I end up picking a smaller tree just because it sets up better. Or it's sometimes, honestly, sometimes it's yeah, it's easier for us to put them up. And so you just kind of, you know, gravitate towards that and they get stolen. And they almost stick out better on small trees too. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I walk by a camera, I mean, I'm sure I walk by them and not seen them, but they're pretty obvious, especially if they're eye level. Oh, they're, yeah. They're really obvious most of the time. So, And for me, the, I think the most obvious thing is the strap. I can see a strap on a tree with a camera facing the other way and know it's a camera before I get there. Yeah, I think
0: there's something about the, the – uh, there's no straight lines in nature. And that yes. strap is horizontal. It's just like a deer's back, how sometimes that's like something you pick up on because it's a straight horizontal line. Uh, I, I agree with you there. Um, that the strap is something I I I have invested in it um in in mounts excuse me and it's kind of a pain in the ass to bring them but sometimes it's so nice to be able to angle something 10 20 degrees because I don't know about you but I triple check the angle on those cameras because you get burned too many times how are you checking them so like I will get back on the ground and you know you angle it you 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 pull out your fake square here yeah it's it's hitting me right in the chest and and then you're like nope move it down like like Zo will be on the mount or on the stick and I will say move it one centimeter down yeah you know move it move it one centimeter to the right no you went before bring it back because it's just like we have overshot trails we have oh you know it's just when you elevate cameras a stick dies the tree falls over um you overshoot the trail you undershoot the trail it's just i feel like once you elevate cameras the detection zone now is so much smaller just you know um you're not getting the benefit of shooting down a trail versus if you had it say like hip level you know
1: yeah the field of view is way better um another thing to watch out for on that is i've noticed elevating cameras a lot of the deer look smaller than they really are like i'll think I'll think a hundred and thirty-inch buck is, or a hundred and fifty-inch bucks, like a one thirty sometimes. And I've done that back in New York too. I had a buck where I was like, "Oh, he's like a hundred inches." Well, he ended up being a Pope and Young buck, and I shot him that year. But I had pictures of him all summer from a camera twelve feet high, and I just, he did not look that big. You know, his tines looked like they were five inches long. Well, they were like nine inch tines. So the fact that your field of view is so big makes those deer look smaller.
0: Oh, that is so cool. Now. I guess would you say the best thing you could do is look at look at all the deer on that camera because like a ninety inch or you know two and a half year old you're gonna be like okay and then a little bigger bodied guy for me I'm 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 generally looking for that one thirty ish three and a half year old yeah and so I would think unless I get multiple deer on that elevated camera I'm not gonna have it like. One solid picture is probably not going to, I'm not going to be able to score him that well now that you tell me that. And that's, that's actually, that's a solid tip. Dude. That is really good information, you know? Yep. Another
1: one too is, uh, what I started doing when I elevate cameras, especially is put your cell phone on selfie mode and stick it up on the camera flush.
2: Oh, and it'll- oh
1: my
0: gosh, dude. Oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> this is, this is, dude, this is why, oh, my
0: gosh. Podcast is over, folks. Thanks for coming. <laughs> this is your pro tip of the day. Jake will be signing autographs here this afternoon. Dude, this is awesome. Continue with this.
1: Yep, so, thing, but I got you. Yep. So when I'm by myself, I'll just put it flush on there and actually snap a photo and then get down and look at it. And that just, that makes the world of difference for me.
0: Because both, your cell phone has kind of that wider angle, fisheye type selfie mode, you know, Yep. and the camera has that same kind of a lensish you know, type situation.
1: Yeah. And if it's centered, you're going to be real close because I've, I mean, last year I posted pictures on Instagram of a, you know, 140 some inch 10 point on public. And all you could see was the top of his rack because I, I aimed my camera wrong and I didn't pull out my phone and take the five seconds to make sure it was pointed in the right spot. Nice. And uh, so, yeah, that's definitely going to be going to be something that I'm doing on all my elevated cameras this year is actually checking them with my phone.
0: Oh dude, dude, that's, this podcast is made that that helps me this is why i started doing podcasts is because you know i can ask guys that are doing this at a slightly you know yourself some of the addiction guys you guys have done stuff at a higher level so the the selfie tip of the day if you will that's that's huge man that that saves a, a headache because it is tough hanging cameras by yourself when you have a buddy with you that can like climb the stick and be operating the camera and you can tell him that's huge, man.
1: Yeah, especially doing it all solo for the most part. You know, I moved down here and didn't know anybody, so it was me just going out and hanging all these by myself and trying to yeah. figure all that out. So that, yeah, it definitely helps quite a bit. Um, let me uh, let me ask this. You you said you
0: you are okay bumping deer to go check these trail cameras in September. Um, you're okay, obviously, with the boot boot pressure to check these tra- trail cameras. Um, is that something that continues into season? I think if I look at myself, I have always. I've always just been so tiptoey, where I don't want to leave ground scent. I don't want to do that, but I, I think a visual on a deer, which is essentially what a trail camera is giving you is the golden ticket or the most deadly piece of information.
1: Yeah. So, um, I mean, as far as, as like ground scent goes, I've never had a buck that I know of bust from ground scent. I've had like bear bust, you know, back in New York, we have a lot of bear. So I've had like big old mature nanny does come out and they'll, they'll smell my ground scent, but I've never actually had a mature buck bust me like that last year. If you watch my video, no, it's blurry, but that deer walked right down the trail that I walked in on for 80 yards. I mean, he was eating acorns on my boot tracks walking in and he had no care in the world to that ground scent whatsoever. And so I don't know if there's something there or not, or, you know, maybe I do spook some deer and I just don't know it or what, but. A lot of these locations too, you know, I'll pick, like, say I take the whole first week of October off for season or this year, it'd be the last week of September. I'm not really hunting the same location unless it's like, say I set up on a bedding spot. Say I set up on a location that has two different bedding ridges within a hundred yards. And I set up on the one bedding location and I I visually see the deer come off the other side. Then maybe I would hunt that spot the next day on the same wind. But normally I'm going to be like a hundred miles away the next day. You know, I've got all these different pins set up and I'm just bouncing to these locations with the deer of my caliber that I want to kill, just trying to, to get one of them on the ground. Now, if I had, if I had a specific spot, I think I'd care a lot more about that. Like if I had, you know, one public piece or a piece of private, I don't, I wouldn't be so freelancing with it. But for my style, I mean, I can just, it doesn't matter to me. If I bump a deer, if I'm, you know, overly aggressive or I leave scent and it scares them or anything like that, I'll just go to another spot tomorrow. Okay okay
0: so would you say uh, i guess looking at your hunting style you you are very much a dan in like you have all these buck beds you're hunting them regardless of piece um versus oh i i'm trying to think if there's a guy out there that um uh josh prophet is like this you know where he sticks to to a core piece and 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 he kind of learns it and and kind of just chases these deer down
2: um
1: yeah yeah i'm definitely more uh more of like a freelance i'm I, I put in so much work all off season, I think all these guys do you know any of the there's so many people out there that are working really hard at this and are so good at it, but i my mentality is if I can find like let's say six or seven bucks that are above a one forty or above a one fifty, mm-hmm. if I can have that inventory going into season based on all the work I put in all year, I have so much opportunity to just bounce to try to get one of these deer, and I'm constantly having first time sits. Yeah. And so that's kind of my, you know, I mean, you hear it time and time again, like the first sit-in is going to be your best opportunity, especially early season. Um, I think during the rut, you could probably get away with just pounding the same stand on a good piece.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, I'm I'm definitely just all over the place. There's no, I don't want to get overly attached to a deer or a location. I like being able to just bounce around. And I think it's kind of the adventure inside of me as well. You know, I just, I love the idea of traveling like that.
0: Interesting, because like I'm 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 narrowing my focus now to a couple of pieces that seem to have more what I call 130 plus caliber deer, and, and I think that's the route I'm going to continue on. But well, there may be a 2021 project that I might want to do something totally different. But but yeah, I think um, when you started saying that they that you know I, I immediately went to Ben Infall hunts the best buck bed he has. And, and what Dave and I talk about this, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a nine out of 10 or a 10 out of 10 buck bed. Cause I find a lot of buck beds and I'm like, this might be, cause you know, I just don't have the years experience to, to, you know, sit here and say this, this is a hundred percent come October. There's going to be a guy in here. You know, I just, you know, I walk by what I a lot of call, like, like I call a six out of 10 buck bed where I'm like, yeah. I think this could be. Um, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't throw I don't throw a sit at that. Now some of my nine out of ten, ten out of tens I definitely do. Um, I think the buck I killed in in 2018, I think I knew where he was bedded, um, but that was actually a trail camera deer. I guess you know what. One of my questions here on my notes was, how many of these bucks have you killed that you got summer trail cam pictures of in the in like you said your streak here of the last couple years?
1: Well, last year I didn't have a picture of that buck, but I'm I'm pretty sure I did. But the one camera in the area was stolen and the other one I told you all the pictures of deer besides one were wiped off that camera. And I had lots of pictures of Doe's. I had a new rub like in frame of that camera. Yeah. So I should have had a buck on camera, so I'm pretty sure it got wiped. Maybe not. Maybe maybe it didn't. But um so that one doesn't count. Uh the year Before that was the year that I didn't kill early season. And then every previous year I've had, I'd say it's probably 50% that I have a picture of that buck early season, but it's always, I always know that there's a, that buck there, whether I saw him in New York, you can spotlight. So in New York, my biggest intel was always spotlighting at night looking for deer. Yeah. That was how I, that was how I decided where I was going to ask for permission, what public pieces I wanted to scout. What, you know, everything was based around that pretty much. Um, Down here, you can't do that. So, so it's a little bit different, but yeah, I'd say probably 50%. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's
0: that, but that's still a super high percentage, you know, Um, that's a lot of bucks on your wall that you get a trail camera, you zero in on, on the opening weeks and kill him. So, so to me, uh, a lot of your effort, a lot of this time, gas, energy, and money you're spending summer scouting, trail camera deployment, and then capitalizing early on October versus like a rut hunter who is, is hunting a lot during that November time period. He's burning a lot of time, energy, and gas during doing that. Yeah. Versus, and, 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 you know, I am guilty of this. You, you are hunting based on good sign, but it's also a little bit of a hope.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I still, I still rut hunt, but generally it's out of state. And I'm not as successful with that because I don't have all the intel that i have he- like in my home state at the time like yeah. last year i went to new york i spent a lot of time in new york chasing you know just a Pope and young buck hopefully yeah but um i didn't end up killing i never actually even i saw one shooter buck the whole trip and i was up there for two weeks just because it's i didn't have intel i'm not a really a rut hunter i want to be better at it that's why i do it yeah. you know the whole idea of this thing is to grow into a better hunter as well and be the be the best version of yourself you can be but um but yeah, back to the bed thing real quick too about like the six out of ten beds and the nine out of ten beds. Yeah. The first two weeks of of October, you know, I'll I've locate probably I have two or three hundred beds in the spring and summer, like specific buck beds, and I'll you know I'll fine tune those down and refine those down into probably a dozen beds that are like nine or ten out of ten high percentage. You know, I've got a really good chance of getting in there and killing it, and that's. You know, I find really good beds that I don't really target because I don't have a destination. They might be, especially early season, you know, I don't want to just go set up on a buck and have him go the other way when he gets up. I'm really targeting these specific destinations that they're trying to get to, which could be something as simple as an apple tree on public, some white oaks, you know, obviously ag fields. Um, But I just want to throw that in there that there's, I don't, I don't necessarily judge the, like the, the, I don't rate the bed based on the actual bed itself, as far as like like hair in it, better yeah, anything like that. I'm basing it more on is it the best location in the area in relation to a destination? If that yeah, makes
0: sense. Or you, and, and I would think, okay, if I find, let's say I find three six out of 10 rubs in the neck, or six out of 10 buck beds, right? But then my trail yeah. camera says there's a shooter there. Now it sounds like, okay, looking at, at bed to food, if I know the best food source now the all those buck beds that were six out of tens in the offseason now they they got to be nine ten out of tens because exactly that's, that's a, yeah that's
1: exactly is yeah. That
0: what i'm pulling out of you right now which is another dude this is why this is why you're going to be on here on a regular basis
1: yep that's definitely uh exactly what i was trying to get to is they can and that can change too you know what i mean like you can find i've got beds that and if you have a really good white oak here that bed's going to be a nine out of 10. If you have a terrible acorn crop, it's going to be a four out of 10 or a three out of 10. Or if the cornfield's a hay field that year or the bean field is dried up or already cut, you're going to, that doesn't, I'm not even going to go to that spot now. So it's all, it's all just like a general relation thing more than anything. Very cool, dude. That's, that was,
0: that was, I'm glad you brought that up and I'm glad we had that, that five minute, old conversation piece, because I think, uh, I think a lot of guys like myself who, who I'm not a buck bed hunter. Uh, I'm trying to, to get better at that. I think I do a decent job at a few things and, and I wouldn't say buck beds are, are, are my go-to, but hearing you say that makes me think about, okay, when I do see these six out of 10 buck beds, mark them down, note them in my on because in a year that, that, that a shooter shows up in that area, I need to be hunting those buck beds.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, I heard Dan say this one time and I'm a, I'm a big follower of Dan or, or the DeQuistos are are obviously huge influences for me or like the Andy Mays and guys like that. And yeah. I think one thing that's really important too is you're going to have, it's the best way to put this. You're going to have uh like,
2: I'm trying to, trying to really think of how to put it, I guess. Um,
1: you're, you're just going to have like specific, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know how to put it. You're going to have like the, the best beds are, are really easy to define most of the time where like Dan says, he can pick out most of the best beds on a map. Okay. You know, yeah. he can, and and they're going to be the ones that hold the mature buck regardless of all the other beds in the area as well. And so, you know, if you find that six out of 10 bed that looks like a six out of 10, but it's like definitely looking on a map, the, you know, the premier bedding regardless of what it looks like at the time. Yeah. Like you said, if you get a buck that shows up on camera there, He's gonna be in that spot. So you're just trying to put all these pieces together like that all the time. I think that's important, dude. That's I'm I'm so glad we talked about that. That's that's huge for.
0: I feel like a lot of guys listening to podcasts to get better as hunters. I don't I don't think anybody has ever laid that out and 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 talked about that as enough because you get a you know these guys online the, the Facebook groups no offense, they'll, they'll claim to be buck bed experts. I'm like, dude, you, you've watched like two or three Dan Infall videos, and now you're- <laughs> Yeah. But, but until you can have a humbled conversation with a guy like yourself who's hunted this way for several years versus, you know, like me, I'm, I'm trying to get better at it. And so that, that was awesome, man. I'm really glad um, we spoke about that. Uh, I thought I had one more question before we had some 2020 goals thoughts. Let me think here. There, I swear I had a question. I don't know. We went down a rabbit hole. Let, let's talk 2020, man. Um, do you have thoughts, goals for yourself? Obviously you got the elk trip, um, but let's keep this white tail focused. Um, goals, thoughts, areas you want to improve on
1: anything stick out to you for 2020. So I want to continue to just locate beds. Um, I want to really, I, I, you know, I, I see just so many like, high caliber three and a half year old bucks I really want to elevate and kind of stay in that four and a half five six year old range um I want to locate I'm not going to put a number on it but as many of those bucks in that age range that I can find and really try to target them and try to try to just refine myself down to that you know like I get every once in a while I'll get caught up on like finding a bunch of three-year-olds and going out after them which some of the three-year-olds around here are amazing deer but I'm just trying to constantly elevate you know what I mean and I'm just I want to keep learning. Um, I want to, I'd like to be a better rut hunter. That's why I've got cameras in Missouri. My plan is all goes well and I kill in Ohio. I want to go out to Missouri for the rut and try that. And I've been considering Indiana as well, um, for the rut, but I found some areas in Missouri that just look like, you know, killer rut locations from what I, from what I would think anyways. Yeah. So that's, that's a big part of it. Um, but yeah, I, I really want to just keep refining Ohio. This is only my second year here. And so I I, I think that's
0: important we mention that. It's only your second year here.
1: Yeah. And so I'm still, you know, I've I've scouted probably, I don't know, seventy-five percent of the wildlife areas in Ohio. As crazy as that sounds, I've just when I was in New York I scouted a lot of the northeast and then a little bit of the east. And now that I'm here, it's like south and southeast. And I just want to kind of touch base with all of the spots and just try to pick out where where I have the I've got this like thing in my mind that i like targeting and i really don't want to mention it but I, I just want to keep finding those locations if i can put like 10 or 15 of these specific locations in my head together i think that i can be successful early every year and then i can travel and i i, I want to travel to hunt as well so yeah that's a big part of it for me
0: would you rather kill a slam slammer here or would you rather kill like two good bucks you know meaning one here in ohio and one in Missouri.
1: I would rather kill a slammer. And this is, you know, last, I've went back and forth. What's a, sl- a little... What's a slammer to you? My goal going into the year, this, my goal going into the year is I really want to see if I can find a couple Boone and Crockett bucks on public. Oh. Uh, and last year I had three different bucks that were over 170 on camera. Okay. Um, not including the one I killed. And so I think that I can keep putting in the work you know if i i just have so much time to dedicate towards it i have half of my days every year i work half the year so i have half the year to put this together and if i'm constantly thinking about it if i'm scouting every day if i'm listening to all the podcasts and watching all these videos and and just talking to all these elite hunters and you know throwing ideas back and forth off each other like this how can i not you know if i put 180 days a year into this how can i not find that in ohio they're they're here So, and, you know, I don't, I don't take it as a failure when somebody else kills a big buck, but like last year, there were some guys that killed some really elite deer on public. You know, i saw a couple bucks over 190 get taken on public in Ohio. And uh, for me, it's like, you know, I didn't locate that deer. Like, that's what's going on in my head. Like, why, why didn't I find that deer? Like where, and so I'm constantly trying to just put myself in as many positions as possible to just locate these big deer like that. These elite deer. Yeah.
0: Now, 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 Jake. Let me ask this: Does your brother help you with some of the scouting or whatever going on in Ohio, or is it just you here in Ohio?
1: George comes down every once in a while, but it's mainly me. He's uh, he's just getting into it. I gave him my lone wolf for his birthday, actually, the one I killed my buck out of. So yeah. he's getting into it, but yeah, so far it's been pretty much me down here, um, just hammering away at it, man.
0: Man, that is that is a a a task. Um, you're a very focused guy you're a very driven guy I see that um how old are you
1: I'm 28
0: dude you, you dude this is the prime right here man I, yeah that's I laugh Dave and I talk dude if, it, if we we could go back time and say like 23 just out of college you know knowing what we know now yeah I feel like the information has come out a lot in, the, in since that time and it's just like the passion used to be there, like, as far as, like, don't get me wrong, dude, actually, I'm more passionate now than ever, but, like, the, the I, I remember sitting there in college, and I'd be playing college soccer, and, like, don't get me wrong, soccer was my first love, but, dude, I'd had pictures of, like, I'd cut out of, of field and stream, and I'd put these 140s on the wall with, that are beauty shots, and I was, like, that's what I want, like, yeah. you, know, you, you, you know, and, and that, that next year, I know I had the time, and, and like, right now I'm getting ready to start a family and I got a life and a job and like, you know, uh, just the, the the plate is so much fuller now than it was at 23 dude. I just, one season, I, I wish
1: I could go back. Yep. Yeah. And it's a balancing act for sure. And that's why I'm just, I'm taking advantage of my situation right now. And so I'm, you
2: know,
1: like, a guy I really look up to is Andy May, and he kind of talks about how over the years, over the course of his life, he's put this intel together. And if you follow him, he'll go on like a three-day – last year, he killed five bucks, I believe. He had a year where he killed seven mature bucks. And he's he's doing this in like two- or three-day out-of-state trips. Because he's a there's the
0: yeah, the, a job that
1: allows for a lot of travel and time. Exactly. And the reason he's doing that, if you listen to like some of his podcasts he started doing is – he has this intel on like specific deer at specific locations at a certain time of year. Like he'll track a two-year-old buck to a three or a four-year-old at the same spot in Kentucky for, you know, on, between October 24th and 26th. And I want to get to that point where I have all this intel build up. So when I'm, the older I get and the less time I have available, I just have these locations keyed in already. And I can take, you know, I can go down to Ohio in an area I know is good and kill a buck the first week or I can go to Indiana or I can go, you know, Iowa or whatever it's going to be. That's kind of my long-term goal is to just, you know, I'm always going to be extremely passionate about it, but just to build up as much intel as possible.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Jake, one final thought here. Um, Actually this came about today and I definitely need to link up with you. You, you went to the saddle, you are considering coming back to the stand life. Tell me, I guess, I, I don't know a lot of guys that have done that. I myself have dabbled in the saddle game. I think Dave's going to take the full-blown plunge. What I guess? What would possess you? What? What? Where is Jake's head at? That is like a gone saddle. I like it. It's cool, but I maybe I think the stands the route for me.
1: So there's a couple factors in that. Um, you know, with my lone wolf, I was just so refined. Um, you know, I, I stealth stripped the entire thing. I had a bow holder mounted to it, a homemade bow holder bow holder that I made mounted to it on the front. That I knew exactly where it was. I had, I could go up the tree in one trip a lot easier because I made, I actually got these stick talons that uh, yep. would hold two of my sticks and I could just pull them off and they were stealth strips. They didn't make noise. I just had this entire system really refined, right? So I'd, I could go in. It was kind of cumbersome getting in there, but I'd get to the tree and I'm up the tree in like, 15 minutes with my camera gear set up. I mean, real quick and dead quiet. And so far with the saddle, I just it's finicky to me. You know, I. I got new sticks, and they're. I have to do work to get them set up. They're really light. They're super lightweight, which is great, but it's kind of a pain to set them up. Um, and then, you know, I have a a movable aider this year because the sticks are shorter. And the problem with the movable aider is I kind of swing back and forth, and I just can't get set up right. I just feel like there's a lot of things that are. It's going to be a huge learning curve. First off, maybe eventually it would be better. But at this point right now, it's just, it's noisier. You know, I have to have all my gear in a bag with clips and stuff like that. And all the buckles make noise. And there's just a lot that goes into it. I feel like I can be more refined and deadlier with a tree stand. And uh, maybe that's a comfort thing and I'm not willing to take the full leap yet. I'm not quite sure, but I just, I don't want to blow the chance on a mature deer because I have finicky equipment that I'm not completely confident with. Okay. You know, if your confidence is in a stand, hunt the stand if it's in a climber hunt the climber if it's on the ground hunt on the ground and for me right now it's still it's still a tree stand
0: yeah so you so, and, and i'm i'm surprised you answered it that way as far as it's more about the the climbability and jack around factor um i have a couple concerns myself going to saddle I, I don't need to get in that tonight but but i thought that was oh i thought that was interesting when you and i exchanged text and, and i'm sure that's not we'll, we'll we'll jump on a call off air and, and talk shop but but i um Dude, like, I, I think to wrap this thing up, um, tell the people where they can find you one more time, and, and, dude, I cannot thank you enough. There's a couple really good tips here, uh, thoughts on buck beds, the, the selfie uh, trick. The conversation tonight was awesome, man, and I really, really appreciate you jumping on
1: tonight. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, you guys can find me. Oh, hold on. You broke up. We're, we're going to have to restate this.
0: Oh, God. I don't know what's going on. I've got a pause here. I think I'm going to go ahead and close out. Um, Jake is, 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 a, is a guy I plan to have on again. Be sure to check out um, oh his YouTube that he stated earlier
2: and then uh, Jake Bush Solo on Instagram. Thanks, guys. Team Harder and Bucks. We're out.